Go for it, buddy. It's all you. Well, hello. Welcome to the Real Kingdom podcast. My name is Nathan. I want to welcome you. Thanks for listening. This podcast, we're streaming it live on Facebook. And so we want to thank you if you are just now, uh, if you're joining us, if you're joining us live, please let us know uh, any questions or comments that you have. And we will try to address those as we go. If you're listening on audio at some point in the future, thanks so much for listening. We are recording this on Zoom, trying to maintain some social distance. And so the audio quality isn't quite to the level we would want, but hopefully at some point we'll be able to get back into the studio and have that clean, crisp audio that we know Mm -hmm. you love and that we love to give you. Our goal with the Real Kingdom podcast is... It's pretty straightforward. We like to share stories from our lives that have convinced us of the truth of Christian spirituality. Mm -hmm. Our hope is that if you listen, that you'll be encouraged to pursue God, to pursue Jesus, the God of the Bible in a biblical way. Our hope is that these stories will be encouraging to you. And again, we know there's so many ways you could spend your time and we really appreciate you listening, watching, tuning in, commenting. Thank you so much. It really is our heart, not so much to share whatever we're thinking, but really to share um, things that are going to be a blessing to you. So your interaction is critical. Your uh, direct messages that you've sent us, your comments, all of that, it really helps us know the kinds of things that are helpful Mm -hmm. and the kinds of things that are blessing you. So please continue to let us know because we we just want to serve. Last week, we told a story about our missing van and how God led us to that van. That was was like three weeks ago, though. A while ago. Yeah. (laughs) We told that. But uh, those are the kinds of. Yeah. Those are the kinds of things we are interested in sharing. And we ended up talking a lot, actually, about some things we learned from that story and some questions that that story brought up for us. And so we'll kind of be circling back to some of those ideas again today. So I'd recommend checking out that episode if you haven't listened to it yet. And then we'll kind of continue maybe on some of those topics today in a way that I think will hopefully uh, help if you haven't thought about some of these things before to um, enliven your walk with the Lord. So let me say hey to my longtime best friend, one-time bandmate and future um, basketball teammate. We're going to have a basketball team whenever COVID is over. Mm -hmm. I just decided Dustin Aguilar. Hey, welcome to the show. Yes. It's good to be here. It's good to be here in my house (laughs) on the show with you. Uh, The only room in my house that I can, you know, be kind of away from everybody for the show is this room that is not air conditioned. So it's nice and warm. Uh, but you know what? That's how I feel like this show is nice and warm, kind of smells like my son's diapers because we, we also <laughs> stick them in here. So this is me. I'm here. Uh, and, uh, I just realized, you know, we have been really inconsistent with the, the show and we're kind of fitting it in where we can, uh, and you know, summertime and social distancing and you got to go on your vacations and all. Uh, and uh, so we haven't been able to do a week by week show. 
the last one that we did, like Nathan said, was about uh, this really cool story where the where the Lord led us back to a van that had been stolen. So spoiler alert, I just spoiled it if you haven't <laughs> listened to that one. Uh, but yeah, we got a good story that we we actually did when we first started this show. We re- recorded it not live and we never released it. Uh, But it's a good story. And I had been thinking this whole time that that was like foundational to this show that we that we did release it. And Nathan, you reminded me that we didn't. And so I I mean, we got to go back. We got to tell that story. So absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So I want to say hi real quick to Ashton Woods and Abby Simmons. Oh, I'm not to beloved sisters in Christ. Abby is also my cousin-in-law. So what's up, guys? So good to be with you right now. So yeah, the story that we wanted to tell today is pretty foundational, I think, for me as a Christian. It kind of maybe more than any one thing changed my walk with the Lord. And so it's it's huge, and I really hope it can be some portion of huge for you. So I think there's a couple of things, a couple of groundwork things I probably need to say about how this happened, why it happened. Dustin and I were roommates. We lived with a group of guys in a house in Denton, Texas, owned by First United Methodist Church. And they gave us super cheap rent, which was Mm -hmm. awesome because they had a heart for homeless ministry and we also had a heart for homeless ministry. And so they, we, we had met them and talked with them and they were just really supportive and great. And so they gave us a really good deal on the house and we were able to kind of just live cheaply. All of us slept in one room. There were five of us young men. It was a big room. It was a big room. Bunk beds. Yeah. And uh, we basically gave a lot of our free time, a lot of our spare time to homeless ministry. And I know that homeless ministry is, is the kind of thing a lot of young people do, a lot of young believers do. We were mostly kind of college aged. But I can say, I think for me and Dustin and probably the majority of us, we were not your typical kind of activist young people. I certainly wasn't. I had gotten into doing homeless ministry because I read the gospel of Luke. That's kind of the thing that started it for me. I read the gospel of Luke and I thought, you know, I believe that Jesus died for me. I believe that he's my savior. I believe that he was God incarnate. And yet I didn't know that he said these things. I didn't know that he commanded these things and I certainly don't do them. And I even had this uncomfortable thought do any Christians do these? I don't know any. And I also had the beautiful thought, man, if Christians did these things, how many more people would want to be Christians if Christians actually mm. obeyed the commands of Jesus? And so that that kind of thinking had kind of led us down this path of being really involved in homeless ministry. And it was beautiful. We learned a ton. We grew a ton. It was super hard at times. Yep. And so we were in this position, we were living in this house together and we had met a young man who was homeless and we had offered him a couch to sleep on. 
And he, at first, kind of was was fine. He was he was really young. I don't know. Was he nineteen or so? Oh, I don't. I think he was. I think he was older than that. I think it was twenty twenty one. He had just spent a number of years in jail, so he was at least a number of years old enough to have gone to jail. Maybe just he seemed young. He had this really, um, he had this really kind of fun loving spirit. And honestly, when he was not acting out, acting badly, he was really charming. I remember really handsome, really charming, really fun. And um, anyway, so he was staying with us. And if you've done any homeless ministry before, then you know that sometimes, you know, people can't or won't kind of follow the rules in any given scenario. And this guy was no exception. He was, he kind of got on the wrong side of some of our house rules. For instance, we had really young children that were staying with their mom at one point in our living room. And he would listen to just like really vile rap music um, on our computers with really, you know, the speakers turned all the way up and we told him many times not to do that. And he wouldn't listen. And, um, I think at one point he went outside and it was kind of immature, but he was, I think, throwing cookies at a passer, yeah. at, at a passerby. And one of, one of our roommates was like, Hey man, s- stop. Like you can't throw things at a passerby. And then, uh, he threatened to hit our roommate, like threatened to punch him. Oh, I didn't know that part of the story. Yeah. And we already told this story and I was, <laughs> I didn't even know that part. Okay. So different things like that. It, and I don't want to come out here and say we did everything right. And that I stand by all of our decisions. I don't know, but I will tell you, we decided after several warnings and repeated infractions, Hey man, you're not welcome to stay here anymore. And so he, you know, moved on wasn't staying with us any longer. And then I, I don't know how much longer on it was the weather turned cold. And one night he showed up at our house and demanded to be let in. And he was kind of banging on the door, yelling, using kind of violent threats. And we were not willing to let him into the house. Is that, is this the same night that I ended up out on the front porch talking to him? It, it can't be. I don't remember. Why would I have gone out and you guys stayed in the house like a bunch of cowards? Can't be, I, can't be the same. I, but I had a, I had a, a story that where one of a night, something similar like that happened. And it was maybe just me there at the house. <clears throat> and I ended up on the porch uh, with him and he insinuated that he had a gun uh, on him and that he was going to kill me if I didn't let him into the house. And, uh, and so I sort of started backing up and he was like why are you backing up and i was like because you're really scaring me right now uh <laughs> and uh, and he he was kind of like in this mood to you know to fight and kind of exert his dominance uh and i just remember having this thought like sit, standing there this guy's threatening my life standing on my front porch and thinking about the the class that i have to teach the next day and i'm like is this my life am i am i here right now is this real but he didn't kill me. Uh, I suspected he didn't actually have a gun. Yeah, probably no gun. Thank God. Mm-hmm. I would say, Dustin, that it's likely that we were all in the house like a bunch of cowards. 
I remember multiple nights like that where someone, you, maybe Sean in, in one instance went out and I did not. And I, I think that I would have just stayed, first of all, not even answered the door, stayed in bed and just ignored him for hours before I even interacted with him. That's what I would have done. So I think that, I think that you and, and others maybe kind of felt, I don't know if you felt boldness or just kind of, Hey, this is the right thing to do. I'm going to go at least tell him we're not going to let him in. Huh. I think but I always I, like to be where the action is. Yeah, I <laughs> definitely. Kind of scary. <laughs> I definitely hung back and had no interest in doing anything besides that. So anyway, so this happened and what kind of the result of it, we called the police and told him we called the police and he ran off. And I think the police caught him and they asked us if we wanted to press charges and we said no. And so he was released the next morning. And so now we're in this position where night is coming the next night and we're terrified. We don't really know if he's going to come back Mm -hmm. and it's just this sort of existential dread. Every moment is a moment of dread. And so we decided to pray together in our shared bedroom. And so all of us are just, I don't think any one of us felt anything but fear that I remember. And we're praying, we're asking God to protect us. We're asking God for wisdom. We're asking God if there's anything we should do, all of that, we're just praying and praying. And around the time we kind of finished praying, um, I suddenly felt like I maybe needed to pray one more thing. Now, let me pause here because I think it's probably important to know something about us spiritually. So at this point in our lives, we're seeking God regularly on Sunday nights. We're praying and seeking God with friends. And we have kind of come to expect interaction with God on some level, I would say. That kind of came slowly, but it, it was the case. And we'll explain more about what I mean when I say that. Don't worry about that for now. But I had this friend and she was someone who... I've known her whole life. We grew up in the same town and we had both moved to Denton for college and she's a bit younger than me. And I remember I had started hearing about my friend and how she was going up to people and telling them, Hey, God told me this. God is saying this about you. God is speaking this over your life. She was doing this a lot. And I remember hearing about it and being like, what? What is she thinking? Why is she doing that? That's so weird. I was deeply offended. Mm. And I don't know how, how you guys feel when you hear things like that, if that offends you, if that's the kind of thing that make weirds you out. It certainly weirded me out. And I didn't even, I had no other reaction besides that, offended mm. and weirded out. It's so weird. I was I talking, I'm surprised. <laughs> I don't feel like I was ever weirded out uh, by her i know who you're talking about and uh, yeah i don't feel like i was ever weirded out by that i think maybe it's that that same thing like i kind of always want to be where the action is it <laughs> seemed like seemed like that was where the action was but yeah right that i was surprised the first time we to- talked about this story that you were that you had felt offended like that but mm-hmm. yeah and for some reason i just assumed 
that she was a charlatan, that she wasn't really hearing from God, that what she was doing was destructive and harmful. Mm. And I remember I was talking to a girl who uh, was a mentor of hers. And I was like, how is she, why is she doing this? What, what should be done? How, should I confront her? She needs to stop. And her mentor said, well, she seems to be pretty accurate. And I was like, oh, it did not even occur to me. You mean she might actually be hearing from God? You mean when she tells someone God is saying this about you, that it might actually be true? That when she declares God is speaking this over your life right now, that in fact, he might actually be. And that, I don't think theologically was a new idea for me, but to just have it be someone that I knew, have it be someone in my own town, I just didn't like it. I did not like it at all. And I had assumed out of hand that it wasn't true. And I wonder, I wonder for how many of us that's the case, that we don't even really consider, especially if it's someone that we know, if it doesn't fit into whatever category we put miracles in, that, that we kind of dismiss it. Well, that's what I had done. And so fast forward to the time that I'm living in this house with Dustin and we're serving the homeless. Well, not long before the events that we're describing, I had been praying with the same girl and we're friends and she and I were praying together and something had started to creep in to my heart. I now believed that maybe she was hearing from God, but now I was worried that I wouldn't be able to hear from God. I was worried Mm. that she was on this level that I wasn't on and that maybe it would work for her, but it wouldn't work for me. And I actually Mm. have seen that happen a lot with Christians where They'll see their friends have these Holy Spirit experiences and this sort of insecurity and envy and jealousy manifests where they think, I really want that. Why am I not seeing that? Or that kind of manifests as disbelief. I don't like that. Maybe you experienced stuff, but I haven't. And I think that it's unhelpful and unbiblical and dangerous. And maybe it's not even real. And these kind of divides will happen. Mm hmm. Well, I was experiencing this fear and insecurity. Other people hear from God, but I don't. Other people have these experiences with God and I don't. And it was just this general fear of kind of being left out. And I think I would have told you, theologically, I believe people have all different gifts. But it still felt like I was being left out. It still felt Mm. like there was this other plane or this other thing that she had that I didn't have. And that fear, I think, probably was crippling in a way. It almost prevented me from even walking down that road because it was such a, it had become such a fraught question, if that makes sense. So I was praying with her one day and she prayed for me and prophesied over me. And I don't remember what she said, honestly, it was really good. And I thought, all right, I am just going to try to listen and just close my eyes and, and try to listen to God. And, and I got this vague impression of, of a dad holding his, his daughter, like holding his daughter's hand and walking through a zoo. Mm. And I thought, well, that's pretty, that could be my imagination, but 
God is our father. I can, I could pray that that's not going to be that big of a risk. And so I just prayed. I think that God is, I don't even think I said anything that sounded like I knew I was listening to God. I think I just said, God is your father and he loves you and he wants to teach you things and show you things just like a dad with his daughter at the zoo. I don't even think I made it clear that I had seen anything or thought I was hearing anything. I was very cautious about how I said it. Mm -hmm. And my friend just bursts out weeping, just crying. And I'm like, what? And she said, I've just been praying like for, for weeks or for months that I could experience God as father. Like, I just don't know him that way. I don't, I don't really, it's hard for me to conceive of him that way as father. And so she took it as this revelatory and beautiful moment. And I was skeptical. I thought "Mm, that God as father, that's a pretty big tent concept. It's everybody knows that I'm not going to take any credit for the picture I saw in my head. I don't know that that was from God or that could have just been me. And what I prayed was very generic, Mm -hmm. but I was encouraged enough to, to just kind of, wonder okay maybe i just heard from god maybe the holy spirit just used me there maybe some of the things that come into my head while i'm praying could be from god yeah hey so can i jump in real quick and just kind of ask a question that maybe somebody might be asking so i think somebody would say well hey you told her something that's from the bible god did Mm -hmm. say that Mm -hmm. why would you ever need to hear something from God that uh, that you couldn't just say from finding verses in the Bible. Why do, does there ever need to be like a like a God saying something right now kind of a moment? Why not always just say stuff that's clearly in the Bible, concepts that are clearly in the Bible, and let that be that? Yeah, yeah. So obviously, one answer to that question is to tell stories like this, right? Yeah. Times. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I wanted to make sure and ask that before you tell right. the, you know, resume the story that you just paused. Right. Right. Uh, because that would be, in my opinion, a one time when it was really, really helpful. Something mm-hmm, very specific, mm-hmm. something that I suppose is actually just a, a, a biblical truth. I think maybe it's, there's a lot of biblical truth. And sometimes right. God is saying, say this biblical truth right now. That's right. what that person needs. Right. And, and I will add that is probably the lowest risk way to try and listen to the Holy Spirit is if you think you hear something and you've got enough biblical fluency to know, oh, that's a, that's a biblical truth that's applicable to anybody. You can share it and there's not really much risk that it's going to be harmful because it's a biblical idea. But if it's specific enough to what the person needed to hear, they might be specifically encouraged and you might be specifically encouraged that God used you. And again, not really a big risk taken. Mm-hmm. So certainly worthwhile to do that. But at, at the same time, as you said, there's a lot of biblical truths. And so while this in itself doesn't prove anything, if God does in fact lay certain biblical truths on our hearts to share with other believers, that would be a loving and fatherly thing for him to do. Right? Yeah. Amen. So we just got a comment saying, hey, what happened to the homeless guy? Are you going to get back to the other story? Yes, we are right now. Nathan, 
get back to the story unless <laughs> you have, I don't know, something else. Yeah. Another so, interjection. No, no, no. So, and uh, I love the way that question is posed. I don't know that we have as much to say about the homeless guy as a uh, person might want to hear, but we will tell the rest of the story. Um, oh yeah. Right. Good point. Yeah. So, so yes. So again, we've been terrified by this guy coming to our house in the night and we're terrified it's going to happen again. And we're praying and crying out to God. And as we finish praying, I suddenly feel this tug in my spirit. Like maybe I need to keep praying. And I had just had this experience praying with my friend where I had just started to think maybe God is going to interact with me here. So I should pay attention to this tugging. And I thought I needed to pray for Dustin, my co-host in this podcast. Do you want to share anything about what was going on in your head at this time before I finish um, my part? Uh, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. So I uh, had had the the encounter on the front porch where I was, my life was threatened. Uh, and then that was just one of several nights and we would get the 3am window knock or the front door knock, uh, to wake us up. And it was just a horrifying way to be woken up. You know, you get that knock and you wake up and go, that wasn't a knock. I just woke up randomly for some reason, try to go back to sleep. Then you hear it again. And you're like, Oh my gosh, I have to deal with this now. So, Going to bed night after night, knowing that something really cataclysmic could happen uh, was was just kind of I mean, it was torturous. Uh, and so we were praying and I think I, I did. I don't remember. Did I ask for extra prayer? I don't know. But I was I don't think so. I was needing extra prayer for sure. Uh, and I and Nathan started to pray for me. And uh, and while he was praying, uh, I was uh, sort of uh, envisioning this cartoon, um, uh, story of Jesus where Jesus is in the garden of Gethsemane praying, you know, the night before his crucifixion, praying, uh, not, you know, let this cup pass from me yet. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And I was seeing the, the him, you know, he's seeing the cup and it's like up there, uh, and he's praying, you know, father, let this cup pass for me. And I started praying, God, let this cup pass for me. Let this cup pass for me. Like, I don't want to keep going through this. Just let this cup pass. Mm-hmm. Um, and which was kind of weird. I don't think I'd ever prayed anything like that before, but I was, but I was praying that that's so I think right. that's the really salient feature you need to know from that story. Yeah. And so I, again, I felt a tugging that I needed to pray for Dustin. And it was one of those awkward things where the prayer was over and I was like, hold on, everybody. I need to pray one more thing. I do remember that. Yes. And so I, I went over to Dustin and I suddenly had this phrase in my head and it was just the phrase, just the words themselves. There is no cup. And I thought it was very clear but I did not have very much confidence that it was from the Lord. I just knew that that phrase was in my head. And I thought, well, I'm at least going to try to to share that somehow. I'm going to go for it somehow in case that is from the Lord. And uh, because I was afraid of making a fool of myself, I thought, okay, God, there is no cup. That's weird. I can't just say that. And so I thought about the Garden of Gethsemane and I thought, oh yeah, Jesus prayed, let this cup pass from me. So maybe I'll just kind of pray something about Jesus drinking the cup of suffering and 
do a real generic prayer about Christ's work on the cross. And I felt like the Holy Spirit was saying, say there is no cup. That's important. Uh, <laughs> and so I said, okay, I, I will. And so I said, hey, Dustin, I need, I'm going to pray for you. And I laid my hand on him. And I said, there is no cup. And then I went on and prayed because Christ has drank the cup of suffering and he's drunk it once and for all. And you don't have that cup to drink. And, you know, I, I prayed whatever I thought I should pray to make it sound general and theological because I thought that was important. <laughs> Maybe it was. And of course, Dustin looked at me his eyes wide and said, dude, all I have been praying is God take this cup from me. And I think both of us stared at each other stunned. And I thought, God spoke through me. Undeniably, God just spoke through me. God put a phrase in my heart to pray for Dustin. God spoke to Dustin through me undeniably. And I'd heard stories like this. I believed that my friend the girl heard from God. I believed in it, but I had never felt like I had for sure participated in it until mm -hmm. that moment. And honestly, in the moment, in the story of us and, and the, the scary homeless guy, I don't even know what function it served other than the, the most important function anything can ever serve, which is a reminder that God is real and mm -hmm. that he's near and that he's a rescuer. And it was just like this, it was just like this lightning rod of a reminder that he's actually there and that he's with us and that we're not just five guys alone in a house, terrified of the darkness outside and the possible violent homeless guy that might be coming to our door that night, that he's yeah. actually with us and actually real. And, and in many ways, I think that this is what most Christian ministry boils down to is, is, trying to uh, remind ourselves that God is real and that he loves us and that he's with us. So maybe we'll come back to all of the things we began to learn from that moment, but I, I will tie up as best I can the story of the guy himself. Um, he, uh, he, I think he did come back, if not that night, another night, pretty similar and more or less the same thing happened. He threatened us, he yelled at us. He, um, you know, banged on the door and asked to come in and we called the police. You know, what's interesting, I don't remember feeling the same kind of really, really dark, hopeless fear mm. after the there is no cup thing. Uh, it, this, this, this situation didn't actually change as far as I can remember. Right. Uh, but, but something internally changed. And mm -hmm. so if you want to talk about like what's the – the purpose, man, that, yeah, that was pretty nice. It was pretty great for something to change inside me so that I'm not crippled by fear, even though, you know, what was happening didn't actually, you know, Amen. the danger Amen. didn't go away. That's the, I mean, that's the biggest thing, honestly, because there's going to be danger in life. There's going to be precarious situations in life, but to have joy in the midst of it is, is I think one of the greatest treasures we can have in our, in our lives. And can I also just throw one more thing in there? I didn't even realize this 
I started thinking about it the last time you and I talked about this story, but I had this thought and it wasn't really coming together and it just came together while you were talking. Um, the theologically saying there is no cup is interesting because um, so, one of Jesus' disciples, I can't recall who, uh, says that Jesus says, are you willing to drink the cup that I'm going to drink? Right. And he says, yes, I am. And Jesus says, you will, you will drink it. Right. That it's not that there's this one cup of suffering for everyone's sin. And God told me that night through you, you don't have to suffer for everyone's sin. That's not, I don't think that's what was happening. It might have actually been, there is a cup of suffering. You're not going to drink it tonight. Mm, yeah. Because I mean, you couldn't, you couldn't look throughout the, the, the you know span of Christian history and say there's no cup of suffering for anybody. I mean, right. suffering is part of the Christian life. So I had actually always kind of wondered about that, mm. and and maybe it's just maybe it's specifically that there is you're, there's no cup. You're not going to suffer tonight. Mm-hmm. And I had I had never put that kind of time sensitivity to it. That's a lot different than this just the general idea of. There is no cup of suffering, which I would say, I don't think that squares with scripture. Yeah. Yeah. You, know? you could say I, in trying to interpret what the Holy Spirit said to me, I wandered off into all kinds of heresy. No, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> just well, I don't know about full-blown heresy, but maybe that's just not what that word meant. And maybe that's something we yeah, could yeah. go back to. Hearing from God. I think we did talk about this last time. Hear, you know, Hearing from God or seeing something. And then interpreting it and when we give it to somebody. So you had heard say there is no cup. And that's all I heard. Yeah. And you didn't mm-hmm. hear the theological treatise that was Jesus drank the cup of, you know, God's wrath or something or God's suffering. or uh, He drank the cup of suffering. So you don't have mm-hmm. to. Mm-hmm. That was the part that you interpreted. And mm-hmm. it may not have actually been what God intended when, when he gave you that word. Right. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, just so it's, it's clear to our listeners, I mean, we, we do believe that Jesus did drink the cup of suffering and that that was a necessary part of his ministry. So don't hear us saying, like downplaying that into some kind of generic martyrdom, (laughs) (laughs) because we don't believe that at all. Uh, We believe that the cross is central to the gospel message and that what Jesus paid for on the cross accomplishes freedom from sin and forgiveness for all who believe. And so I, I want to make it clear that we value Jesus suffering specifically. Um, although, yeah, Dustin is right. There is mention um, that Jesus makes of the cup of suffering that the other the disciples themselves will have to drink at, at one point and that many of us Christians will drink at different times. So if I could just maybe uh, round off the story of the guy and then we can maybe share whatever thoughts we have in our last few minutes. So that night ended much the same as the other nights he was arrested and then we didn't press charges and he was released. And ultimately he did stop terrorizing us and, and amen that God maybe was kind of trying to let us know that night, Hey, I'm going to take care of you. I'm with you and you're, this isn't going to go badly. And so, and that's true. And a few months later, I think this young man decided he wanted to go back home to Chicago where he was from. And he came to us and told us, and we bought him a bus ticket 
And the bus ticket was for the next morning. And actually kind of in this cool moment of forgiveness and, and redemption, we let him sleep on our couch that night and then drove him to the bus station that morning. And we, we parted as friends. And so that's kind of the end of our story with the, with the homeless guy. And one thing you'll find in any kind of Christian ministry is you can't control people. You know, you can't force people to repent. You can't force people to accept Christ. You can't, but you, what you can do is show them the love of Christ and proclaim the gospel to them. And I, hopefully we did that well. I'm sure we screwed it up in all kinds of ways, but that was our intention. And, and that's how that went with that young man. So what I can tell you unequivocally changed for me that day, because what I got basically was a straightforward word from the Lord with an incredibly straightforward confirmation. And that basically gave me this new category that God might be interacting with me in any given moment. It doesn't mean I became someone who assumed all of my thoughts or desires come from God. I certainly did not and do not think that. I still have a a strong theology of, of sin. I believe that many of the things that I want are sinful, that I need to repent of sinful and selfish desires when they come up. I know that many of my thoughts come from my own imagination. And biblically, we know sometimes uh, impressions and thoughts and all kinds of things can come from the devil, from, from demons. There's, there's dark spirituality that is alive and active. And so for me as a Christian, what I learned that day is that sometimes it's God. And that actually completely changed my life because even when I, when I privately pray, when I read my Bible, anytime, anytime in my life, I lay hands on someone to pray for them or they ask for prayer, I'm doing it as an active listener. I'm trying to actively participate with the Holy Spirit. And I've learned a lot since that moment, but that moment kind of began that process for me. Mm. And fundamentally changed. I didn't really change what I believed theologically, but it changed my belief that I was a participant in it, if that makes sense. Hmm. And, and I can honestly say there was no, I didn't jump through any special hoops. It was kind of just a mindset shift. And I think I would feel comfortable encouraging any believer who feels confident uh, to, to make such a mindset shift. I can't guarantee what ways God will interact with you. There's all kinds of gifts of the Holy Spirit and God is in the heavens and he does what pleases him. But I think it's actually valuable just to know that he might be interacting with you Mm. and to look to him with love and with trust and times when you think he might be interacting with you and you can test that out in some way that's safe and that will let you know if that might be him or not to go ahead and do that. What do you mean by test that out? Well, for instance, if... God put something in your mind like he did with me that day. Like, you're my best friend. There was, if I had said to you, hey, Dustin, I don't know if this is from God, but maybe it is. I'm hearing the phrase in my head, there is no cup. Does that mean anything to you? That would be a pretty lame way to present it, but the result would have been the same. You would have been like, wow, yes, that means a lot to me right now. Thank you. So, you know, it can, having trusted people is tremendously important. And there does have to be some like-mindedness, right? Some of my friends, and even frankly, some of those guys that we were living with at the time were very uncomfortable with this kind of thing. I remember one time I asked a guy if I could kind of pray for him in a way that was a little more spiritual. And he said, no, 
please don't. So you kind of, if you have friends that are like-minded and that you trust, you can kind of put yourself out there with them, if that makes sense. And uh, what time, what, how much time do we have? Can I ask you one or two more questions? About five so, minutes till five, if you want to. All right, perfect. So this thing happened this one time, and we know we already, we already told the story of the van, uh, which is a similar thing. You, know, you felt like you'd gotten a vision from God. Mm-hmm. Uh, how often does this kind of thing happen in your life? Mm. <laughs> yeah. Or so, maybe, maybe the question is how often do you think you're hearing from God? How often do you actually get a situation like, you know, finding the van? I mean, it was, you saw a vision, boom, we found the van and this one, you said something and it matched perfectly what I was praying. How often does it get uh, confirmed? Mm-hmm. I would say, my experience has been that when I gather in a small group setting weekly and we seek God with people who are more or less like-minded, we seek God, we expect God to show up, at least the majority of us do, that I experience this either from whether I'm an active participant in it, either as the person who is ministering or is who is ministered to, or whether I'm just an observer and I'm in the room. I would say pretty much every time. Wow. And I would say usually with similar authenticity that unless you're inclined to think that the person is, that the two people are colluding and are lying and that they planned it ahead of time and we're going to try and deceive seven of our friends right now by me giving a prophetic word and you saying, wow, that was exactly what I was praying. Unless that kind of thing is happening, I would say, week in and week out it happens and when i when this first happened to me i did not expect that kind of regularity Mm. i would have you know i honestly if it had been the only time ever i would praise god for it if there is no cup is the only specific thing i ever heard from the holy spirit that doesn't change my faith in christ but my experience has been that it's that those experiences are much more regular Mm. cool and I, I don't know about you, that for me early on, a, a question I immediately thought was, okay, well, you have mega churches full of people that don't really believe in this kind of thing or never talk about it. So what's going on with them? How is it possible that none of them are ever hearing from God? And one answer is actually that many of them are, and many of them know that they are, and they don't talk about it because it's not welcome. <laughs> and that is, I know the case in some churches because I've talked to plenty of people who are in that position. But what it really is, I think, is is a matter of, of expectation. It doesn't matter how many impressions God is putting into your mind or into your heart. If you don't expect them to be there, you're not going to look look for them or share them. And we've t- we talked last week a good bit. It's easy to read the Bible and think, well, when Noah heard build an ark, it was probably extremely straightforward and unmistakable. I don't know why we assume that, but we do. Mm -hmm. And so we don't necessarily have a category for less straightforward and easily mistakable impressions from God. And yet that day when I heard there is no cup in my head, I didn't know, I did not know until I shared it and you confirmed it, that it was definitely from God. It was the evidence. It was the result that let me know, not the way that, the, that it came into my head in the first mm. place. 
And so if, unless we have an expectation for it, a category for it, then we won't experience it at least most of the time. Mm -hmm. Well said, I don't think I have anything to add. (laughs) Probably think of a bunch of stuff as soon as we're done, but uh... (laughs) yeah. Well, do you think there is, um, you know, I mentioned how that was kind of transformative for me in that, that, that day changed how I prayed from then on. I think I've been a different person any time I pray. Mm. Do you think that you, either that moment or another moment, do you have a moment like that for you? Whoa. Uh, yeah, but in the one minute we have, there's no way I could do <laughs> that story justice. Uh, okay. <laughs> or those nice probably teaser, mul- though. multiple stories. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's just, there's just no way. I mean, the Nathaniel story, uh, another mm. uh, fellow uh, who was experiencing homelessness, who stayed with us, who had tons of very spiritual, bad spiritual stuff going on in his life. Uh, there's a, a whole big, long story that goes along with the, the Nathaniel story. I probably shouldn't mm. have used his name, but uh, well, cat's out of the bag now. And this is live, so no going back. <laughs> but uh, we should tell that story yeah, because uh, we'll absolutely. get into a whole other world of uh, spiritual stuff to talk about. But absolutely. It won't be today. Not today. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I look forward to hearing that. It's funny, even though we're best friends, whenever we share these stories, we inevitably find out things about each other we didn't know. And so I'm excited to hear because I, I know a lot about your ministry since that day and amazing things God has done through you and done in my life, starting with this, yeah, very troubled young man that God brought to us to, to love and to minister to for a short season. Mm-hmm. So maybe we could tell that on our next episode or, or whenever we feel like it would kind of be appropriate. But in the meantime, we have kind of begun this, this episode and the last episode really talking about hearing from God. I hope it's clear we're not necessarily trying to push a certain um, theological category. We're not necessarily even married to calling it prophecy or word of knowledge or using certain Pauline terms from the New Testament. We're just kind of telling our experiences and what we've learned from them. But regardless, I hope it's helpful. I hope it's edifying. If there's any way we can clarify, please feel free to private message us or leave us a question in the comments. And if we get any big questions, um, we're happy to address them at the beginning of next week's episode. And in the meantime, we will be praying for you all and we love you and we look forward to chatting soon. Be blessed world. If I can figure out how to stop the live stream, that is (laughs) just start pushing buttons, I guess. No, seriously. How do I stop the live stream? Okay, not there. You just have to restart the computer. I think that's the answer to everything. Seriously, I do not know how to stop it. There, you think there would be like a nice crystal clear button. Okay, stop live stream. All right, bye-bye world. All right, bye guys.